You're listening to the Quince podcast. In 1965, Lal Bahadur Shastri, the second prime minister, immortalized the India of his times with his slogan "Jai Jawan, Jai Kisan." There was a scarcity of wheat in the country and Shastri raised the slogan as a call for soldiers and farmers to unanimously strive for a better nation to defend India and also increase the production of food grains. Jai Jawan Jai Jawan Jai Kisan Jai Kisan Jai Kisan Jai Hind Not long after that his stint was cut short with his sudden untimely death in Tashkent the capital of Uzbekistan which was then a part of the Soviet Union Even many decades later the circumstances of his death are debated and on his death anniversary on 11 January we revisit the missing links that triggered these debates through the accounts of the late veteran journalist Kuldeep Nayar who had traveled to Tashkent with the prime minister and who was one of the first people to see him following his death You'll also hear from his son Anil Shastri who was then only 16 years of age to know of what Shastri's family's demands are and also what he remembers of his father. You're listening to a special news and views podcast by the Quint and I'm Shorbury. To start talking about Shastri's death we need to talk about the Indo-Pakistan war of 1965 which was the whole reason that Shastri was in Tashkent for It started with Pakistan infiltrating forces into Jammu and Kashmir to stir an insurgency against India and in retaliation India attacked West Pakistan The war lasted around 17 days with casualties on both sides and Shastri was sure that peace could be achieved in the subcontinent nonetheless. So he went to Tashkent to sign a peace agreement known as the Tashkent Declaration to resolve the Indo-Pak war of 1965. The date was 10 January 1966. Shastri the Indian prime minister went from the Indian side. Muhammad Ayub Khan the Pakistani prime minister represented Pakistan. The meeting was moderated by Premier Alexei Kosygin from the Soviet and the peace treaty was signed. In the intervening night of 10th and 11th January at around 2 a.m. Shastri had died of a heart attack. At least heart attack was the official reason cited, but his family never stopped doubting that the cause might be something else. The circumstances of his death further thickens the mystery. Shastri's death triggered many conspiracy theories, one of them being a case of poisoning. The late Kuldeep Nayar, a veteran journalist, human rights activist and the former high commissioner to the United Kingdom, had also played the role of a media advisor to Shastri between 1960 to 64. He had accompanied the late prime minister to Tashkent and witnessed him in his death. In his autobiography which is called Beyond the Line that was published in 2012, he posed a rather straightforward question. Was he poisoned? he asked. He also wrote about his encounter with Lalita Shastri, the late prime minister's wife. And I'm going to read a small excerpt from the book. Quote, When I returned from Tashkent, Lalita Shastri asked me why Shastri's body had turned blue. I replied, I'm told that when bodies are embalmed, they turn blue. She then inquired about certain cuts on Shastri's body. 
I did not know about those because I had not seen the body. Even so, her remark that no post-mortem had been conducted either at Tashkent or Delhi startled me. It was indeed unusual. Unquote. Nayar had also filed an RTI plea into this, but the plea was declined. In 1970, Lalita Shastri publicly raised doubts of her husband being poisoned. But one of the first things that aroused suspicions were the circumstances of his lodging in a villa known as Dacha in Russia. He was put in a room without a phone or intercom. The dying Prime Minister had to walk to another room to tell the staff of the villa to inform his personal doctor, Arin Chug. What made Shastriji's family allege foul play? He spoke to his son, Anil Shastri, who's a member of the Congress Party, he was about 16 years of age when the family received the news of his father's death. There are, when my father passed away, uh, I was uh, just about 16. Actually, you know, there are, uh, there are a lot of reasons why uh, we believe uh, the family and the people at large also that Shastriji's death was not a natural death. There was some foul play, this is what they believe. <coughs> now, it's very difficult to say what exactly happened, whether it was a natural death or it was a foul play. But doubts come in our minds because of certain facts, which are as follows. Number one, his place of stay was changed from Tuscal Hotel to a lonely villa about 15 to 18 kilometers away from Tuscan city. And when the security officials accompanying him raised certain questions about his place of stay, he was told by, they were told by our embassy, the Indian embassy in Russia at that time, that, uh, you know, we have done this because Shatiji is a simple man, he's a vegetarian. He will be more comfortable there in a village, uh, in, in, in a villa, in a, in a villa. They call it Dutch, Dutch or something, whatever it is. So, this was one reason. Second reason was that there was no first aid available there. There was no ambulance. There was... Uh, no call bell in his room, no telephone in his room. Imagine a prime minister, when he falls sick, walks up to the doctor's room a few yards away. There was a junior doctor accompanying him from Delhi. There were no other, no doctor's medical team appointed there at a close-by distance. And finally, his diary also, along with other belongings, his diary did not come. I just think of his diary did not come, red diary, which he used to write every day. There was no post-mortem done. And when the Russian authorities asked our embassy that would they like the post-mortem to be done before the body is sent to India, this was not required. The fact that no post-mortem was conducted either in Russia or India indeed raises eyebrows. And an inquiry committee, the Ram Narain Inquiry, was formed only after the emergency, much later by the Janta Party government. Shastriji's personal doctor, 
Arun Chug and personal assistant Ram Nath were the two witnesses who were scheduled to depose before this committee in 1977. But what fueled more doubts into the conspiracy theories was the sudden death of both these men. His face had turned blue with white spots on both his temples. Now these facts create doubt in the minds of the people there was this dharamteja a shipping tycoon who also was seen in tuscan around that time now what was he there doing there nobody questioned so all these have created doubts in the minds of the people that dr chug who had gone along with him met with an accident on ring road in delhi uh just one or two months before the janata party came to power in 1977 because the janata party had announced that if they come to power they will inquire into the death of lal bahadur shastri set up an inquiry now that and before the elections and results came that man was killed His personal attendant also was killed in a road accident who had gone along with him. Moreover the findings of the report were lost and never found. Yes you heard me right, never found. Anil Shastri's family has been asking government after government to declassify all the files related to Shastri ji. There is an RTI activist Anuradhar who had asked a question to the then prime minister's office dr manmohan singh office that why can't the documents related to his death be declassified and the answer that he got was we can't do this for two reasons one is that it will adversely affect our relations with the foreign country and it is not in the interest of uh, india security these are true reasons given again the cci the, the then cic central information commissioner had written to the present pmo that why can't we declassify the documents like you've done the case of netaji subhash chandra bose and number 2 why don't you bring to public domain the rajnarayan committee report rajnarayan committee was constituted by the janata party but that report is missing nobody has seen that report as yet so that therefore come has brought doubt in people's mind is there a suspicion about it being uh, something from the indian side or from that's very difficult to say because nothing is established hmm. first of all it has to be established that he did not die a natural death then we can talk of uh, you know suspicions did you approach the current government also yes i have uh, of course requested the prime minister that all documents related to his death should be declassified but they are not responding though the bjp bjp when it was in the opposition had demanded declassification of the documents related to satyajit's death but now that they are in power they have completely forgotten about it but the mysterious circumstances of his death is not the only thing that lal bahadur shastri is known for i asked anil shastri about how his father came about the slogan jai jawan jai kisan that has been reverberating among masses till date 
स्लोगन जय जवान जय किसान वॉज परहैप्ट एन इम्प्रॉम टू डिसीशन ऑन इस पार्ट नो बडी न्यू अबाउट इट नन ऑफ द फैमिली मेम्बर्स वॉज अवेयर ऑफ इट आई डोंट थिंक एनी ऑफिशियल ऑल्सो न्यू अबाउट इट ही वॉज विजिटिंग हिज पार्लियामेंट्री कंस्टिट्यूंसी इलाहाबाद एंड अबाउट थर्टी किलोमीटर्स अवे फ्रॉम इलाहाबाद सिटी दे इज वेलेज कॉल उर्वा एंड देर वॉज अूज पब्लिक मीटिंग देयर and uh, this was war time and at that time suddenly he came up with the slogan jai jawan jai kisan and uh, which till as we know i'm 55 years after his death resonates across the length and breadth of our nation uh, and perhaps is more relevant today than what it was in 1965 Everybody knows the story of how the second prime minister barely had any possessions most of his life but for an old car that was bought in installments. But Anil Shastri recounts an episode from his childhood when he managed a driver's license despite being underaged. He talks about what his father had to say in response. There are a lot of memories about him uh, and quite a few of them I do remember. Uh, the first incident I remember was when he became the prime minister and uh, as i said i was uh, 16 when he passed away so, and he was there for one and a half years as prime minister so i was 15 plus uh, when he became the prime minister and it so happened that on the quiet i had learned driving a car because my father would go away to office my mother would perhaps have an afternoon nap and there wasn't anybody senior in the house so i and my two younger brothers and they would uh, uh, encourage me and motivate me to take out the car and drive on akbar road mm. uh, we live uh, at at one motila nehru place which used to be called tenjan but so we used to go on akbar road akbar road was uh, had no traffic at all at that time and uh, so on the quiet i had learned driving So when he became the prime minister I got an idea why not I have a driving license So I told one of his secretaries one Mr Kalash Narayan I said Kalash Babu used to call him Kalash Babu I said Kalash Babu can I get a driving license he, he said do you know driving I said I know very well and I think about in 2 hours time I got a driving license and I was very very happy about it not only that I got a driving license I was proud of the fact that I got a driving license even though I was not 18 years old because in India you need to be 18 to get a driving license. And uh, so I uh, it was a treasured possession for me. I waited for my father to come back. He came back around 10 o'clock in the night and he said why are you awake? Don't you have school in the morning? I said I have but I want to show you something. He said what is it? Then I showed him the driving license. He said, "I have a driving license now." And my father said that, uh, "How could it be? You are not 18 years old as yet." So I said, "But I am prime minister, son." I said, "I am prime minister, son." And then you know I could see that he became uh, a little emotional, and he said that uh, uh, I am very sad and very hurt today. I said, "Why?" he said that a law of the land has been violated 
within the precincts of the Prime Minister's house. Bete Anil, I am here to make laws of the land and for people to follow them and ask them to follow them. And my own son has violated a law at the Prime Minister's residence. And this is not acceptable to me. And the moment he said that, you know, I had tears in my eyes. I was almost crying, sobbing. He said, I didn't say anything, I didn't scold you. I said, I wish you had. But the way in which he conveyed the message really had a great impact upon me. And I, after that, decided that I shall always in my life try to follow the law of the land. At times, the laws are such that they are not practical hmm. and you may not be able to follow them. But by and large, you know, I always ensure that. And I also ensured that all my three sons learned driving only after they became 18 <laughs> and got the license only after 18. Did you so surrender your license after? Corona? Yes, no, then I, I returned that license. I gave it back to the secretary. If you like listening to this podcast, then subscribe to the News and Views playlist on Apple, Google Podcast, GeoSav and Spotify and all the other popular podcast streaming platforms that we live on right now. For other podcasts, log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, send an email to podcasts at thequinn.com.